0: I'm Lee West, Senior Minister of Roth International, and this teaching on the Hidden Mysteries in Israel's Jubilee, I think is going to make a major contribution to your understanding. It's a delight to be with you, so let's get right into the teaching today. This message, the mystery of it, was begun when uh, Moses was on Mount Sinai. He was given to him by God for Israel, and it would also occur on their day of jubilee. In Leviticus chapter 25, I want to read verses 1 through 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land which I give you, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath For the Lord, thou shalt neither sow, nor thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of thy harvest thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of thy vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee and for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, and for thy stranger that sojournest with thee, and for thy cattle, and for the beasts that are in the field, shall the increase thereof be meat. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbath of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. This is given to Israel. It is the beginning of the mystery. And the mystery has a foundation. It had to be kept in this fashion if a rest was to be obtained. And that would be the goal. It would begin, this rendering would begin from God when it says, when ye come into your land, that would be as a nation, required of the nation, he says that you will sow and reap your field. The, it would require persistence, seven years times seven years, and the fifty-first, uh, the fiftieth day rather, the fiftieth day was the jubilee, and it was on Israel's day of atonement. Here, God is dealing in this rendering to begin the mystery only with Israel. There were stipulations of the ministry because it was to have a, a progression in its beginnings. Requirements to Israel were that they were to hallow, that means set apart, hallow the fiftieth year, proclaim liberty to all the land's inhabitants, sound a continuous blast on the two silver trumpets, and we'll we learn that Two is a witnessing Bible numerics number, testimony and, and witnessing, and the silver will be come to uh will come to represent redemption. Every man's possession were to be returned. Now th- this has to do with uh, if if a person has uh rented someone else's land on the say the the first day after uh jubilee feast, then they would pay the the highest price for that. And should it be getting close to the year of jubilee, say maybe the 40th uh, or so, then the land would be, uh, they wouldn't have to pay as much for that. And then every man's possessions were to be returned if they had rented that out to someone else, and they had to be, to come back to the to the original honor on the on the day of of jubilee also every man is to be returned to his family if he had indentured himself out to someone else for whatever of common sense or uh, uh, some type of other fun good to be returned to him for the serve for his services, then on the fiftieth day he would be returned to his family, be free. And the fiftieth year they were neither to sow nor reap of their crop. Now after the Jubilee things continued to be normal, then they could buy and they could sell, they could again eat the field of, of the eat of the crop, and yet uh continue keeping the Lord's statutes. That means regulations and his judgment. That would be decrees and verdicts. So these would continue the things that had been given to them that didn't pass once Jubilee was was completed. Now here's an interesting note uh, about how God did this. In the 48th and 49th year, God gave Israel a supernatural harvest that will last three years. So it will last the 48th year, the 49th year, and then they would eat of that on the day of Jubilee. And then on the, uh, the first day after the, uh, the 50th year, the 51st day, then things would continue back to normal. Now, the uh, integration of the mystery begins to happen Again, to Israel, it says, uh, working through the 49th year between jubilees, it would require patience. There's, there's a monotony that can set in. As you work through a situation, even for God, if you're not careful, monotony can set in, but it requires patience to complete a journey for him whether israel or someone else and we'll see this as we progress israel was to be sowing and not just haphazardly they would have to be scattering their seed and that seed had to be pregnant with being able to be germ- to germinate pruning would be necessary keeping off the parasite parts and 7 times 7 this would be required to establish fully matured crops. And then it says, ye must blow. This is command individually, let to the nation collectively. At the proper time, you have to give a clear, now Israel would have to give a clear, continual blast on the trumpets. Now the mystery, next revelation the mystery begins to radiate. And on the pick up this radiation in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 1 through 4. And here, Isaiah, we can begin to see the radiation of the mystery taking place. Isaiah, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and being led by the Holy Spirit, writes this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that in Zion to give unto them beautiful ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old wastes, and they shall raise up former desolation, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of, of many generations in this we see that uh, a happy message goes out to those that are totally dependent upon God that they will bind up the ministry of them will bind up the broken hearted this means those totally broken in mind will be they will receive a security embrace what what a what a comfort it is when we people are embraced when they're in a time of trouble. And this is exactly what it's saying, to bind up the brokenhearted, that they'll be totally broken in and uh mind and they are to be, to be just given a in a security embrace is what the he uh the Hebrew would say. Proclaim liberty to captives. In other words, to call ones by their name and inform them that they have been liberated. Now, that would be good news in that proclamation. To open up prisons of the bound. This would be the ones that have been treated as stolen goods. It could be by, uh, now we'll later understand that it can apply to a spiritual terms in the new covenant also. The activation of the mystery, Jubilee. Now, Jesus had been baptized by John in the progression. He had contended with Satan. He had endured the wilderness supernaturally, had been ministering in Galilee, and now he returned to Nazareth, his hometown. And here, this next event sets the foundation for authoritative transition of the feast to be instituted, for the mystery to be complete. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the the synagogue on the seventh day, Sabbath day, And stood up to read, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to uh, send me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year to the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again unto the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled In your ears. This is where the transition takes a whole new turn in our lives. Jesus here says, He's really quoting Isaiah's chapter 61, verses, and He for Himself, personally, He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is a personal anointing that Jesus here says is upon him. A supernatural disposition of moral authority to be exercised. That's given that authority to do that supernaturally, to, uh, to, to proclaim those kinds of truth and moral authority that can be exercised by Jesus himself in a personal way. He hath anointed me. That's what Jesus is saying has happened to him personally. He, of course, that would be God Almighty, hath anointed me. This means to handle, to be handled as an instrument to preach. The preach here in the the Greek would be to make proclamations, the gospel to the poor. In the Greek, again, it would say good news, to spiritually frighten beggar people, heal the brokenhearted, this means in the Greek, those with shattered feelings preach deliverance to the captives. The Greek rendering that their past you can de- declare to them that their past is forgiven and they have have liberty, recovering of sight to the blind. This he could proclaim. This those that are high-minded, uh, blind because of pride in. In that they are dull in their uh, intellect of understanding spiritual things, and he says, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. The, those the Greek would carry this further in this in translation, it says by misfortunes or of uh, decisions or circumstances and events in which they got they got caught up. That that and Jesus says this is going to be his ministry, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This in the Greek is a time element set by one in supreme authority. That's going to be the one that has the authority to set, the time element. And it says, he closed the book, gave it to the minister, that would be the one who's officiating in the synagogue, and sat down. Sitting down there takes more than just the the fact that he chose a seat and, and reclined on it. When you sat down, that means something is complete, it's finished. Uh, That's a little bit different teaching, but it's good to know right here. And the eyes of all of them were fixed on him that were in the synagogue. They, They looked upon him, and it says their eyes were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This is the point of no return for him. He would no longer be the boy that was born and grew and and reared and worked in that area of uh, Nazareth. He now was declaring himself by interpretation and dissertation above their level uh, to be in subjection to them. Now we see John the Baptist's ministry start coming into play when Jesus he saw Jesus as he was coming uh, to the River Jordan, and John made a declaration, says, Behold the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Here Jesus is depicted by John and declared unto those that were with him in hearing of him and being baptized of him, that the one that's coming down the path that they see, and John just made that statement, Behold the Lamb of God, that which taketh away the sin of the world. This is He's declaring that this is the personification of all the Paschal lambs that have been killed, and that Jesus alone was the one that would take away the sin of the world. Here sin is a singular sin, the sin of the world, not sins. Uh, as in many, but one sin. He would be saying that Satan's dominion is defeated. He would be declaring that he will demonstrate God's delegated power and authority to human flesh and from human flesh. And he, he would demonstrate human ability to operate unconfined by the laws of physics because of Jesus commanded weather to change. He walked on water. He transformed into another dimension. He overcame matter, energy, space, and time, the basic four elements of creation that laws of physics came out of. He would solve the eternal question, which still plagues men today, what happens after death? Jesus, John will be declaring, would authenticate his actions by predicting his death and his raising of himself from the dead. At this point in Jesus' dissertation in the synagogue, he stopped quoting Isaiah after the acceptable year of the Lord. This was Jesus' first advent, the first time he came in the flesh. He came as the spiritual lamb of God. The next acceptable year of the Lord for Jesus will be when he returns as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then we'll continue much of uh, what was considered uh, in in Isaiah's rendering. In my uh, my personal considered opinion is that Jesus will return to earth uh, for the second advent on Israel's Jubilee day, and that will be, of course, their day of atonement. And now I know some might be saying, well, we're not to know the day or the hour of his return. And not set those. Well, I'm not setting a day or an hour, but we can certainly know the indicators. As an example, Israel knew the exact day of his first incarnation. They had it right down to the exact day when he would be born and uh, in where he would be born but they chose to ignore that because of various reasons if you go back and read the other early gospels of his uh, of his birth and the the first few years that transpired after that the remainder of isaiah's prophecy addresses to proclaim day of vengeance of our god this is what jesus did not quote in that first time because he didn't come to do that then, but now he can do that. You see, the Jews have lost count of their day of jubilee, so they don't know exactly when it is, and I think that's a a thing that God has set in place that no man would know that because there, there are stipulations that will come into play. Now we come to the activation of the mystery, and the church will fulfill this next activation of the mystery. Jesus had said, Go ye, and he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he, that means only the ones that believe on him, do also. And greater works, not better, but more in number, not greater, but more in number, shall he do, that's again, that's the one who believeth on him, because I go to my Father. The anointing had been only on him, and now it is being transferred to the church. The works of church is supposed to be uh, the work that the church is supposed to be doing when until Jesus returns is we are to be following a lot of exactly what he said. We are to be making disciples, and we can see these in the closing parts of of the uh, of the gospels especially the Synoptic Gospels. We're supposed to be making disciples. This is our work as a church, as, as part of the, the church, not a church, but the church of, of God. We're supposed to be baptizing. Baptism is for identifying with Jesus. And I, I have taught this other, uh, in other forms, but baptism is not just some little superficial type of a thing that happens just so we can dunk people in the church. It is to uh, complete a believer's identification with Christ and to initiate the beginning of their process of discipleship after regeneration. It's the next thing that should happen after regeneration more. Anything else is because a lot of their uh, progression, discipleship will not happen. And we can see in a lot of people today why they haven't gone through this experience because they just accepted Jesus and some of them even have stopped after the baptism. We are to be reminding each other to keep his commandments. When we see what's happening in the world to us by, and even most, a lot of those by Christians, they're They're, they're got one foot in the world and they're trying to keep one foot, foot toward heaven and one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And it doesn't work. So we need to be reminding each other to keep all of jesus's commandments we are to be speaking in an unknown tongue this means that every pastor will have to evaluate what's going on in the church if they're not teaching and preaching the the baptism in the holy spirit experience because we are clearly commanded by jesus to speak in unknown tongues we are every now everybody's not going to speak in unknown tongues and everybody's not going to give interpretations, but it says that we are to prophesy. Now, everyone is to be prophesying. Men and women are to be prophesying. We are to be laying hands on the the sick for healing. And most of churches don't even have an altar to do this anymore. They don't do this. They, They say, oh, if you've got a problem, just lift your hand, and we'll pray for you. Or if you'll come up after the service, we'll pray for you. And... Some of that can be, have a place for that. Some of that can happen in people's homes, but we're still be laying hands on people for that they're sick for the, them to be healed. And it should, should not be just an every now and then thing. It should be going on in every believer's life. Hey, every believer should be laying hands on people for healing, not just a pastor. Every believer, I think every believer, should be carrying a bottle of oil with them so that they can lord and then lay hand. I think that would be the, the exactly proper way to do it. And we're quoting here what the church should be doing. And this is going to raise your eyebrows. We should be raising the dead when directed by God, the Holy Spirit. We're not seeing that. I hear of it in third, second third world countries, especially third world countries, because there, once they hear the word, they just take that and run with it. So they're seeing the dead raise and they're seeing all these things happen. The, the sickness is healed. All necessary prophecies have been fulfilled for Jesus to return, except for the church to be raptured out. And sadly enough, The young ministers today, and even some of the old ones, do not even believe in the rapture. They say it's not going to happen, or they don't teach it, or they don't understand it. So they don't. uh, They fear they're going to uh, uh, cause consternation or problems in the church if they teach the rapture, and they're denying people one of the greatest truths that's in the Bible. When you look at world conditions, and Integrate that, the cup of God's wrath is full, into what's happening. Mankind in today's world is evil. There's evil out there. And as we watch our news and we see synopsis in the news, we can see that there's not a place on earth today, that that there's not a a pestilence, there's not a fire, there's not a, a flood, there's not earthquakes. There's uh, devastations of all kind. If we can look in Matthew chapter 24 and we can see what's going to happen in that time. And here is our charge, our last charge in Mark 13, chapter 13, verse 25 through 27. It says, watch for ye you know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing. Now we have to remember, this is not just, he might come at the uh, time, one time, one each of those, but yet again, he can't, it doesn't mean he can't come at, 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 at even a or, or midnight or a circle, or, or a, a cock crowing, because we have to remember the time zones around the globe. So when he comes, it could be in different time zones. My personal feeling is that, uh, He's going to come on Israel's Day of Atonement. The time seems to be that that that, uh, happened at at the trumpet blow. We know He's going to come at the blowing of the trumpet. It's going to be continuous. And we see that in the Feast of Trumpets. And He says, Lest coming suddenly He find you. Now, that's a personal pronoun. Lest coming suddenly He find you sleeping. And the Greek, this would be saying, as was uh, uh, indicated when Jesus ministered to the maid, he said, the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. So the church, and I made this statement in, in teaching in other churches, I made this statement before, and I, and I said, the church is asleep, and I saw even a minister's roll his eyes. He doesn't believe the church is sing, uh, sleeping because they say they sing a, a couple of songs, uh, uh, or they can, in some churches they sing one song for about, 10 minutes, and they think that they're really having church, but yet they're asleep because they're not being taught the word. And finally, after that, you know, now when the master comes, whether it's evening, midnight, or, or cock going, because it, uh, Israel's time could be this different times around the world, and says, lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping. So don't be sleeping. And the last word on this is, and what I say unto you all is Watch. And what I say, as Dr. West to you, watch, and my last word is "sila." Meditate on these truths. Until we meet again in another teaching, may the Lord richly bless your life.